Blog Talk Radio. The Keys Network is proud to present Disaster Awareness for Community Preparedness with your host, Brother Rudolph Muhammad. I will fight as long as I have the strength to fight. 
and I would do this show, put my blood here for my hospital blood. I would do it for the coffins if that's what they put me in and gave me the ability to do. So what we do is well, understand is that there's a time that we're living in and we need to understand that the mechanisms of this enemy is under the enemy to us all right now is his potential for wickedness and people is so great because the technology level is so great. It's very possible that the business that we used to watch in sci-fi movies are now becoming true. It's very possible that this is actually, when I say they, I'm talking about those individuals who are responsible for causing havoc on the play. I, I know, I know, I know some of you are told you think I'm going into some conspiracy theory rhetoric. I really am. I'm talking actual sentence. You realize that it is possible to isolate Relabeled 
Thank you to direct. 
that is a fact of you. Um, let me see. Do we have him on the line yet? Yes, sir, I'm on the line. Oh, I said he's concerned. <laughs> well, I don't know. How are you going to tell him who's on? Oh, I'm doing this bitch right I'm doing this right now. I was just, um, you know, I, 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 I like that comic that comes out, you know, before the main split. I was just testing the water there and just warming it up.
survival is life and death. And so what we have to do is look at uh, our present time situation, identify what are the problem areas, what are the areas of danger, where could the threat to our existence come from, and more importantly, how should we respond and prepare for that threat. Now, one, one thing right off the bat I will say is that we should all be very careful who we listen to because there are many people who offer advice but have advice that's not often or not always a proper advice. So one of the great blessings that the New York community has is Brother Rudolph and the people who work with him because this brother studies day and night. He's always thinking about others. He's always thinking about the things that are important for the survival of others. Please, Lord, uh, and you should listen to his show. You should listen to what he has to say. We're not going to cover everything today. Anything that needs to be said, we just simply will not have time to say it. And so one of the first things that you want to identify in your immediate environment would be who are the people, who are the individuals who are experts, who are qualified to advise me, uh, to guide me, to show me what I need to do, people who I can train them, people who will offer the leadership that is necessary in a time of chaos. Now, I, I'm going to just give a list at this point of some potential areas of threat. And I'm going to start with those things that are really big and work down to things that are, are smaller. If we say, well, what is the biggest threat that there could be? Well, the biggest threat uh, is tied up with uh, the 2012 prophecy of the Bayern prediction uh, where the Earth itself is moving into a new phase of development uh, that in one sense is evolutionary and positive, but at the same time has quite a bit of danger connected to it. And that uh, comes up with a broad general heading of what could be called space weather. When we think space weather, what I'm talking about is the fact that we are a planet that is following a sun, the sun being a star, that gives us life and, and promotes our survival. Now, the sun is not stationary. The sun itself is moving at about 200 kilometers per second as it makes its way, its orbit, around the center of the Milky Way galaxy. Now, what actually happens is as the sun moves through space, it encounters different regions in space where there are different levels of energy, different levels of dust and intergalactic clouds. And not to, not to get into the details of what all that means, it means, however, that because of where we now are in space, in the galaxy, we have now entered into a region of increased energy. We're in an increased or higher energy than we were in in the past. It means more cosmic energy, solar energy, is reaching the Earth, and this increase in energy is having a great impact on the Earth. And so most of us have a habit of turning on the radio or TV. We listen to the weather. We want to know what the weather report is going to be. Is it going to be sunny? Is it going to be rainy? But we should also make it our business uh, to tune in to space weather reports that are available to us 
online. Because we need to know, for example, that right as we speak, did you know that the Earth is experiencing a geomagnetic storm? This was produced two days ago by an explosion on the surface of the sun that is sending what is called a CME, a coronal mass ejection to the Earth. And this is influencing the geomagnetic field around the Earth that protects us from uh, cosmic rays and other energy. And this storm is of a moderate degree. It's not, it's not actually much of a threat to us, but a bigger geomagnetic storm could be on the way at any time, and if it penetrates the geomagnetic shield that surrounds the Earth, then we have trouble on the surface of the Earth. Trouble like what? Well, these kinds of geomagnetic storms uh, can produce earth earthquakes, can produce great giant cyclones and hurricanes and storms uh, that change weather conditions on the surface of the Earth. Uh, and so we need to pay attention because these kinds of geomagnetic storms or solar wind storms, and I'm not going to go into all the details of all the possibilities that we encounter from space weather, but I'm saying that we are now in a new part of the galaxy where these kinds of events are, become, are becoming more and more common and more and more uh, serious. Another aspect of space weather that many of us uh, have recently become aware of is we have apparently entered into a region of space that is full of objects, full of rock, stone, meteorites, asteroids, comets. For the first time in memory, there are actually two comets that are visible from the surface of the Earth. And we all recall that just a month ago, there was a huge asteroid that hit Russia uh, from outer space. And the day before that, there was one that almost hit the Earth. And the day afterwards, there was another one that almost hit the Earth. And after that, there was another one that also was by the Earth. Well, when have we ever seen so many near-Earth objects, as they're called, uh, whizzing by the Earth? And all it takes is for one of these rocks to actually hit uh, a major metropolitan area, and it will release the same energy as an atomic bomb. Uh, and so apparently we are in a part of our galaxy where there's more of this kind of thing going on. And so therefore one of the things that we need to do as citizens of a country, we need to encourage our government uh, to put up the necessary resources in order to give us a warning uh, of any near-Earth object that is coming close to the Earth, and certainly uh, to develop the ways and the means uh, that if some kind of giant rock is falling out of the sky and going to hit a part of the Earth, uh, we should actually have the ability uh, as a planetary civilization, we should have the ability to defend ourselves from these kinds of objects falling uh, literally from the sky. Uh, so these are things that many times we have never thought about uh, because in the past maybe we didn't need to think about it because these things were so rare uh, that we hardly needed to even uh, uh, think twice about it. But now we are in a different time. We are in a turbulent time, not just on the Earth, but throughout the solar system. Now, another thing that is taking place 
that relates to space weather in the solar system is that the sun itself is more active than it used to be. And because the sun is more active, then the earth is heating up. Uh, and all of the planets throughout the solar system are heating up. Now, many people uh, have heard about global warming and you know, the blame that some place is uh, on CO2 emissions uh, due to industrialization uh, and civilization itself. But actually, uh, that would not explain why Mars is heating up, and that wouldn't explain why Jupiter and Saturn and all the planets are heating up. No, it's actually very little to do with carbon dioxide. It has everything to do with what's taking place on the sun. The sun has, has increased its activity by about 1%. Now, that doesn't sound like much, but when you are as massive an object as the sun, and, and we are only about 93 million miles away from this massive object called the sun, that's time to keep up by 1%, you are going to feel it on the earth. And so this leads to another big area of concern in terms of survival. And that has to do with climate extreme. Instead of talking about global warming, uh, the more proper way to talk about it would be to say we are now experiencing climactic extreme, extremely hot and extremely cold extremely wet and extremely dry. We are experiencing, for example, in the United States of America, for the past six or seven years, the greatest drought that has ever been experienced uh, since this part of the world uh, has been settled uh, from Europe. We don't know about in prehistoric times, but in recent modern history, there has never been a drought to equal the one that is ongoing right now. That is devastating the farmland, uh, the livestock herds, the cattle, the sheep, the goats, the chickens, uh, the corn fields, the wheat fields, all the fields in the breadbasket states of America are under a withering drought that's going into the seventh year. So this is a drought people, but none equal the one that is taking place right now. Similarly, there is also drought taking place in Russia in parts of China and uh, in certain parts of Africa and in uh, South America as well. And at the same time, that certain parts of the earth are experiencing drought, and when we say drought, we mean famine is on the way because these are the regions of the world that produce grain and vegetables and other uh, products, especially meat products, and under a, a prolonged drought, this invariably leads to famine, which obviously is a threat to survival. But at the same time that there is a lack of uh, rain in some parts of the earth, at the same time there is flooding and increased rain in other parts of the earth. So if you look at the uh, uh, northwest corner of the United States, the states of Washington and Oregon, at Northern California, they have been lashed with storm after storm after storm after storm uh, as at flood proportion. And in many parts of the world, in India, in Pakistan, in Bangladesh, in uh, Indonesia, and in other parts of the world, 
Uh, they are experiencing unprecedented biblical proportion flooding that also is destroying crops and wildlife and cities and human habitation. And so we are living at a time of planetary superstorm, super weather systems uh, that are just devastating the way of life, the coastline. I just looked at a website yesterday that was put out by the United States Navy uh, where they are forecasting that the eastern coastline and the western coastline uh, are all going to be massively eroded away at the cities that are on the coast, like New York and Boston and Philadelphia and Baltimore and Washington, D.C., where I am, and Norfolk, Virginia. These cities uh, in the future are likely to be underwater. Los Angeles, San Francisco, Seattle, these cities will disappear under the wave because of what is taking place on the planet that is curtailing, as the Holy Quran gives a property, we curtail them all their size, showing that the coastline uh, would be obliterated on the Gulf Coast, where we just a few years ago had the massive oil spill that some researchers say was never actually stopped. The oil is still leaking. Uh, it is devastating the, uh, the, the life in the uh, Caribbean. Uh, so that now you have to form shrimp and crab and fish uh, that is uh, growing tumors out of their scales, blind uh, crabs, crabs with no pincers, but also great storms that are hitting uh, in Louisiana, Alabama, Mississippi, Florida. So these people are now on a constant flood alert, a storm watch alert, because the weather is so severe. And so we have to prepare uh, for weather extreme, and not just think that it's moving in one direction towards global warming. No, Europe this year has experienced the coldest winter in history. Uh, deeper snows, more snowy days, more snowstorms than ever in the history of Europe. It happened this year, 2012, 2013, and it's continuing. And so it's not just one thing, global warming. That is occurring, but also global cooling is also having a major effect. And so we have to prepare ourselves. How will we withstand uh, these extremes of weather? Right there in New York and New Jersey, of course, was the storm path of Hurricane Sandy. And I'm told by people uh, who work down on Wall Street that they still have big, gigantic generators out on the street on the sidewalk in Wall Street, somebody, somebody correct me if I'm wrong, uh, that, that are still being used to generate the power to keep Wall Street going. And Wall Street recently announced that they have invested billions of dollars in a system to keep the stock market up in case another hurricane hits Wall Street. They won't actually need any human beings to keep the stock market running. Well, this is showing you the world that we have known, that we have grown used to, and some of us have become very complacent in, that world has changed while, while we are alive. And so 
adaptability is one of the great assets of survival. Any person or any family or any group of people or any nation that is unable to adapt, which is to say is unable to recognize change and change with the change, you change with the change so that you can stay alive. If you resist the change or ignore the change or pretend that the change does not exist or that it will not affect you, then that is anti-survival. Uh, because sooner or later, something of, of, of that change will overtake you and you will not be prepared. So let us just face the fact. If you don't take anything out of what I've said so far, but just take this one point, that we are living in a time of massive change, and we cannot any longer rely on our former expectations about how we think summer is going to be or how we think wintertime is going to be or, or, or what to expect in terms of weather or what to expect even in terms of the food chain and the food that will be available to reach us, which brings me to another major area of survival concern, and that is the food chain. These great storms, this great drought is producing a famine. And so as you go around the country, and I, I travel, as Brother said, by the bit, uh, when I go into supermarkets now, uh, I see a lot of empty space on shelves. I see sometimes that they push all the goods to the front of the shelf, but if you look past that first row there, there's nothing back there. And that is because as the, the food inventory, the food inventory of the big food chain is at an all-time low. The food inventory for government, for government food programs, is at an all-time low. Uh, it used to be the tradition of the American government going back hundreds of years. They always had stored up against hard times enough food for the population for two to three years. Now, that government surplus storing up food has been depleted. And the last report on that that I saw about a year ago indicated that the, the, the food supply was down to about three days. So that if something happened drastically to the food supply, that's all you got is about a three-day supply coming from government sources. And so if you don't have a food supply worked out for yourself, you see, then you're going to be in trouble. Now, keep in mind that in 2012, the number of uh, families in the United States uh, receiving food aid assistance from the government reached 52 million, 52 million families, not individuals, 52 million families for some period of time received food stamps. Uh, the figures from last week show 46 million families currently receiving food stamps. Now, there's a lot of meaning to that. It means that the economy is bad, unemployment is high, and it means that you have a population of people who are getting hungrier and hungrier. They are more and more malnourished. You have children that are coming up and all they know is hunger. You have families who are barely making it. Even even families where there is a job, 
where someone is earning money. The money that they earn is not keeping up with the price inflation of food. Some food items have increased in price up to 30 40%. Look at the price of milk. Look at the price of eggs. This is because some of the price support that government gave the farmers to keep the prices low in the stores uh, because the government itself is bankrupt, uh, that those price supports uh, cannot be maintained. And so now you have a situation where you are actually finding out the true price of milk, the true price of eggs, the true price of bread, the, pr- the true price of these staple items that the government has subsidized for many, many decades, now you're starting to see uh, an explosive rise in those prices in the supermarket, uh, and you've got to reach into your pocket and pay for it, but you didn't get an explosive rise in your paycheck. Uh, your paycheck stayed the same or actually went down uh, because you got laid off or you don't work as many hours. You see, so you've got to, you've got to recalculate uh, your household budget. The equation that you have used for many, many years of what you think is necessary in order for you to get by, well, that, that equation doesn't work anymore because, as that book that was out some years ago was titled, Somebody Moved My Cheek, you see. And so now you've got to get up and do something different that you didn't do before in order to make ends meet and in order to keep food on the table. Now, one of the things that I think is very, very important, and I salute the efforts of Will Allen of Growing Power out of Milwaukee, he, over the last 16 years, has a pioneer what is called urban commercial agriculture. And he's figured out a way uh, for, silly, for, for city dwellers to grow their own food in the city. Because actually what will happen uh, under certain conditions is the food that right now gets imported into the cities from the countryside or from other parts of the country, that will be impossible to, to maintain. If gasoline right now is over $4 a gallon, what happens if gasoline goes to $8 a gallon or $12 a gallon? How, how cost-effective would it be to put cabbage and lettuce on a truck and ship it from California to New York? You know, that wouldn't even make economic sense at a certain point. It would just be too expensive to transport that food. And so that's going to stop. Most of the trucking companies are going to go out of business because they cannot afford the cost of fuel. So therefore, if lettuce cannot be grown in New York City, then the people in New York City will not have lettuce. They will not have carrots. They will not have celery. They will not have the things that right now they take for granted because they can go in any store and there's all the items that they like to eat, uh, and, and they were jet shipped in from Hawaii or from Mexico or from some other part of the world. But in fact, under the right conditions, all those shipments from outside will cease. And the only food that will be available uh, for residents of cities will be the food that they produce themselves. So this technology of how to grow food in urban areas, developed by Will Allen, you can go to the website, you put in growing power, and you can, it will take you right there. You can sign up and take training courses and learn how to grow food yourself. You can grow food on the rooftop of your of your apartment building. 
You can grow food on a parking lot. You can grow food on a balcony. You can grow food in a can, in uh, containers of all sorts. But you just have to start thinking about this, and you have to practice how to do it because you don't want uh, uh, an emergency to hit you, and then all of a sudden uh, you're going to get busy and you're going to figure this out overnight. So you're not going to figure out anything overnight, but if you get started right now, you know, by the time that you need to do these things, uh, you will be an old hand at it, and you will be able to survive. It's also important to teach these kinds of skills to your neighbors, uh, to the people next door, to the people across the street. Because how how do you think it will play out? Suppose you are a very progressive-minded person and you have prepared yourself for an emergency, but your neighbors did not because they weren't thinking about it. And so now you've got a house full of food or uh, an apartment full of food, but your neighbors are starving, starving to death. Don't you know they're going to come through your walls with a sledgehammer and they're going to take your food? So the best thing to do is for you to teach them to alert them while they get time. And so then you have food, they'll have food, everybody down the hall will have food, everybody down the block, around the block, everybody will have food. There will be uh, garden growing in the vacant lot, producing food, and so nobody has to get desperate because this is a neighborhood that has prepared for the coming disaster. I want to sort of shift gears a little bit because we're still talking about survival, and threats to survival can come in many different disguises, many different forms. So it was not widely reported in the mainstream media, but something very significant happened over the weekend in Cyprus. Cyprus is a tiny little country on an island in the middle of the Mediterranean. And over the weekend, the government announced that in order to bail out the bank, in Cyprus, they were going to confiscate 10% of the bank deposits of all the people in Cyprus. Yeah, you heard me right. The government said that literally they were going to go into everybody's bank account and take 10% out in order to give it to the bank, to save the bank from going bankrupt. And when people protested, the government said, well, you either accept that we're going to take 10% out of your bank account or else we'll let the bank go bankrupt and then there'll be no banking whatsoever and whatever you have in the bank, you won't be able to get at because the bank will be shut down. Well, now, that is the shock that is heard around the world because any time a government gets so desperate that it starts to steal directly, and we used the government stealing indirectly. But now here's the government that openly steals 10% of the savings of its citizens to give to private bankers. So what happened? Well, immediately when the government announced that people rushed to their bank or to ATM machines to withdraw all of their money, and they that worked well for the first ones in line, but then after a while the ATM machines ran out of money. And then they stopped working all together. And then when Monday rolled around, uh, they declared a bank holiday so the bank didn't open. And so this that shockwave, shockwave throughout the financial system of the world. 
Because what can happen in Cyprus can happen in Greece, can happen in Spain. And guess what? It can happen here in the United States. There was a recent court ruling where a judge said that it's legal for banks to actually take your money. I don't I don't know what the details are, but basically the judge ruled that, that if you got your money in in the bank then those assets are the bank. Uh, I guess there's something like possession of nine tenths of the law, something like like that. I don't know what the details are, but what it means that is that you can wake up tomorrow and find out that you can't get get to your money. Uh, that something has happened to the ATM machines or the banks declared a holiday or, or something, or the government went in and confiscated it. You see, so then what does this lead to? This leads to panic. This leads to, there's already a bank run going on in Europe where different people of different countries, they're saying, well, wait a minute, I better get my money out of the bank in my country before the government comes in and confiscates it. And there are actually many people in the United States who are doing the same thing. They say, I, I better get my cash out of my bank account before the government gets the right idea uh, that they can use it better than me. And then what are they doing with this cash money? They are taking this money and they're buying gold and they're buying silver uh, because these are things that will withhold their value no matter what. So what does it have to do with survival? Well, I mean, everybody knows that it takes money to buy things. Uh, you can't produce everything that you need, but you use money as a medium of exchange to purchase those things that you, you can't produce for yourself. But what happens when the paper money um, becomes worthless? Then how will you survive? If you have $100,000 in the bank, okay, of worthless paper, well, it would be better to take $100,000 in your secondary account or your retirement account and convert it into tangible assets like gold and silver. That way, regardless of what happens, you know, we're talking about survival here. So there's no guarantee that the government will survive, right? Governments fall all the time. Maybe we say, well, this one hasn't fallen in 200 years. Hey, well, it could fall tomorrow. They're talking about a government shutdown at the end of the month, right? And if they don't pass a budget bill, that uh, the government employees won't be paid. But what do you think is going to happen if they don't pass a bill? And all the bureaucrats in Washington don't get a paycheck. What happens if the soldiers don't get a paycheck? Well, will they still come to work? Will they still do what they're supposed to do? Well, what would you do if you found out that your job couldn't pay you? Would you still show up? Well, see, these are, these are heavy questions, and so if the government shuts down for a long enough period of time, then the government falls, and it cannot do the things that we, we think the government is supposed to do. So then in that situation where there is no longer any governmental authority or power that can reach us, meaning law enforcement, fire protection, emergency preparedness, all of these things that we think of as being governmental functions, now, all of a sudden, they fall on us. The truth of it is 49 out of uh, the 50 states are bankrupt. The only state that is not bankrupt, I believe, is either, either North Dakota or South Dakota, and that's because they established their own state bank that allowed them to avoid bankruptcy, and all the other 49 states have gone bankrupt. 
for most of the 49 states, uh, they are continuing to provide the services that they provide to their citizens because of their connection to the federal government. But if the federal government shuts down, uh, then how can the state also maintain those state-run programs? You see, so that, that would be a cascading financial collapse that, that is underway as we speak. And part of your survival would be to say, okay, when the money is no longer any good, what am I going to do? What is my plan? And so gold and silver, other valuable assets of that nature, have historically proven themselves time and time again to be what is needed. Now, I see the time is uh, upon us. Uh, it's about five minutes to five by my clock. So, Brother Rudolph, if I can stop here, I don't know if there's any questions that you would like to ask or that somebody would like to ask. Uh, I've covered some of the main topics. I certainly could not cover everything that needs to be covered, but I think people get a general idea that this survival thing is no joke. There are lots of threats coming from lots of different directions, and we have to be aware of it, and we have to be prepared to be punished. Yes, sir. Uh, we're going to come right here.
if we captain a couple of days after the minister got in this business, okay, that great domestic earthquake that we said that there is a certain program. And so I think that significant for us here uh, uh, who study. Thank you for the support. I'm sorry, Mr. Jackson. Oh, thank you, brother. 